Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we've got a crazy story of getting an evil boss fired. But first, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Every video has awesome stories like our story of the day, I got my evil fast food boss fired. The summer before my freshman year of college, I worked at a local franchise of a fast food chain that's pretty popular here in the US. I won't say the name of the chain because I'd hate to tarnish their precious reputation or somehow face legal action all these years later, but let's just say they're well known for their delicious chicken sandwiches and their ownership's unfriendliness towards the LGBT community. Anyway, this was the first real job I'd ever held. I'd done random stuff here and there over the years, yard work for neighbors, refing basketball games, dog sitting, but nothing ever amounting to an actual position. You know, something with wages and a uniform and all that good stuff. At the start of the summer, I was actually excited for the job though. Working at a fast food restaurant wasn't exactly the most glamorous thing in the world, sure, but I knew I'd at least be making money. Something my teenage self had a definite lack of, and I also knew several of my school friends had worked at the same franchise before. They never complained to me about work, so how bad could it really be? I also had a really pleasant interview to get the job. The man who had conducted it had been a nice older gentleman, graying hair, roundish face, soft smile, who had kindly reassured me that the work wasn't too bad and that I would quickly receive a raise in my hourly wage once I completed their mandatory training. At the time, I'd assumed he was going to be my boss and that it was going to be his calm presence and kind demeanor running the work environment. Boy, how nice that would have been. Anyway, on my first day of work, I walked into the restaurant and made my way into the back kitchen area where I was supposed to be working that summer. Not seeing Mr. Carlson, the man from my interview, I approached a kitchen worker who was putting together sandwiches. Uh, excuse me, I said. Is Mr. Carlson here? It's my first day and I'm... Mr. Carlson, the guy interrupted. Mr. Carlson's not here right now, I don't think. He doesn't really come in that often, just for special occasions, prospective employee interviews, that kind of stuff. But isn't he the manager, I asked? How can he not come in that often? The guy looked at me confused. Mr. Carlson's not the manager, he's the franchise owner. She, he said, nodding towards a middle-aged woman, is the manager. I looked over at the lady he had pointed out. She was short, thin, and seemed to have a permanent frown carved onto her face. It looked like she was chewing someone out at the other end of the kitchen. As I was studying her, she suddenly turned around, locked eyes with me, and began making her way over to where I was standing. The guy I'd been talking with noticed her walking over too, and quickly went back to his sandwiches. Nice to meet you man, but I've got to get back to work. The name's Nate though. He paused for a second and then looked back at me. Good luck. Before I had the chance to ask him what sort of luck I would need frying nuggets and putting together sandwiches, Suddenly, the manager had made it across the kitchen and was right at my side. You're late, she said to me, emphasizing the last word like it was a crime on par with murder. Not really a great first impression to make with your new boss, is it? 
Late? I asked, genuinely confused. I thought my shift was supposed to start at 12.30. And it's 12.33, she said. Like that somehow she cleared the confusion up. Not one minute late, not two minutes late, but three entire minutes late. Was she serious right now? I say, well, I got here at 12.30. I just wasn't sure where to go, and I was looking for... Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh, nope, nope, she said, interrupting me like a preschool teacher. That's not what we're gonna do right now. Make excuses like that. That's the kind of stuff that's gonna get you sent right out that door, she said, pointing to the exit. When I tell you you messed up, all I want to hear is, I'm sorry, Miss Connie, it won't happen again. Understand? I gave Miss Connie the most professional nod I could muster in that moment, but she made a sort of motion with her hand, like she was waiting for more. After a few seconds, I got it. I'm sorry, Miss Connie, I said with gritted teeth. It won't happen again. She nodded smugly to herself, apparently satisfied with my apology, then turned around and told me to follow her and make it quick. You've got a lot of work to catch up on. After that, the rest of my eight-hour shift went about as well as my first conversation with Miss Connie had gone. There was genuinely a lot of stuff to pick up on about working in the kitchen. For one thing, how to properly put on a hairnet, how to work the deep frying machines, how to operate the industrial dishwasher, how to determine if the pickle slices were too big or too small, how long to keep the sandwich buns in the toaster for. The list of insanely specific instructions seemed to grow bigger and bigger as the day went on, and I struggled to keep it all fresh in my head. But that was nothing compared to the nightmare that was Miss Connie. I don't even know how to explain it. Other than to say that I basically experienced that first interaction I had with her for the entire day, on repeat, for eight hours. There was just no relief from her presence. At the frying station, at the dishwasher, at the sandwich counter, there she was, breathing down my neck, watching me like a hawk, criticizing my every move. When I finally got on a 15-minute break five hours into my shift, I half expected her to follow me into the restroom and critique the way I stood at the urinal. You're probably assuming that from this description that Miss Connie was at least the one leading me around the kitchen and, you know, showing me how everything was supposed to be done. But nope, that job went to my main man Nate from earlier. After Miss Connie had barked at him to get over here and show this idiot how we do things. Miss Connie's job, in reality, seemed to just consist of standing right beside me, scowling and interrupting whatever I was attempting to do with some sort of insanely specific, always unhelpful comment every five seconds. I kid you not when I say I didn't get through a single task that day without having to endure some sort of infuriating little nitpick. As I was taking a container of nuggets out of a deep fryer, You're not holding that handle tightly enough. Are you trying to kill us all with boiling oil? I had both hands on the handle and about as secure a grip as humanly possible as I was putting pickle slices on sandwich buns. That slice right there is not even close to the right size. I said around the size of a nickel, not the size of a penny. Are you even listening to me? I looked it up later. The size difference between a penny and a nickel is, wait for it, two millimeters. Two millimeters. As I was scrubbing dishes in the back after the restaurant had closed, I can't believe I seriously have to tell you this. Scrub the pan clockwise, not counterclockwise. I shouldn't have to be the one holding your hand through every little thing you do. I'm not even going to comment on this one. Needless to say, by the end of my 8-hour shift that day, I was beyond done with Miss Connie. 
ready to quit, ready to leave and never return, ready to find a new job, ready, honestly, to do anything else that didn't involve being paid a minimum wage to spend eight hours in a hot, loud kitchen with the most frustrating boss imaginable. Somehow, though, with every sign pointing at me to find something better, I decided to stay. I only had two and a half months before summer was over. I reasoned to myself, I could stick it out for that long. And besides, it couldn't possibly get any worse than it had been on the first day, right? Right? Narrator voice, he was not right. It could, in fact, get worse. Much, much worse. As I would learn quite well through my time working with her that summer, Miss Connie was not just rude or frustrating or overly zealous about clockwise dish scrubbing. No, that was just the surface level stuff. The kind of stuff you'd pick up on from one day working with her. The real Miss Connie had a whole laundry list of nasty traits, some of which exposed her as being just a generally horrible person, but all of which exposed her as being a truly incompetent, insufferable boss to work for. Let's run through a few of them so you can hopefully see what I mean. Nasty trait number one, laziness. There's no beating around the bush on this one. Miss Connie was just downright lazy. I'd already gotten a glimpse of this side from her for my first day. You know, when she got Nate to show me how to do everything and spoke up only when she wanted to criticize something I was doing. But this experience was actually a little misleading. Why? Well, it turned out Miss Connie regularly did even less than she had done on that first day. A typical work day for her would involve sitting on a folding chair she would keep in the center of the kitchen, flipping through some magazine or newspaper or scrolling through her phone and then periodically looking up from her reading material to scream at someone about how they were doing something all wrong. The only reason she would get up from her chair would be to use the restroom, or more often, to chew someone out if they felt they deserved more than a regular sitting down reprimand. The worst part about it is that we, the regular workers I mean, were never allowed to sit down, not even for a second, and we were working minimum 8 hour shifts. If you've ever been on your feet for more than four, five hours at a time, then you know what I'm talking about when I say that towards the end of those shifts, our legs and feet were burning. But if Miss Connie ever caught one of us even leaning against the counter to try to reduce some of that pain, she was out of her precious chair in an instant, yelling and screaming about how unprofessional and lazy we were. I don't think she really had a grasp on the concept of irony. Nasty trait number two, incompetence. Others might say idiocy. You would think someone with the gall to sit in a folding chair all day, barking orders and screaming about the right way to do something, would at least know what they're talking about, right? You know, on a basic, this is how the machine works kind of level? Well, think again, because Miss Connie knew nothing about how the kitchen operated. I remember one time in particular when the consequences of her incompetence were really put on full display. It was a Sunday afternoon, around lunchtime, so we were at our absolute peak hours of busyness. Frankly, we were always busy. Monday, Saturday, lunchtime, dinner time, it didn't matter. People were coming in droves. For whatever reason though, this particular Saturday was even busier than usual. The drive-thru line was wrapped two times around the building. The inside dining area was filled to the brim with people waiting to order, and the kitchen, well, the kitchen was struggling. On this particular day, I had the great luck of being the one operating the deep frying machines. This meant in essence that the entire kitchen's rate of output was dependent on how fast I could operate the fryers and push out fresh chicken. 
I was frying as fast as I possibly could, putting down basket after basket of nuggets and fillets, but we were still drowning in orders. There was just no way to keep up with the sheer number of people at the restaurant. After about 15 minutes of trying to remedy the situation from the comfort of her folding chair, Miss Connie suddenly decided that enough was enough and that she needed to help by getting in my ear and yelling at me. You need to make the fryers go faster, she screamed. This is unacceptable. Now, I had to simultaneously keep the fryers going and keep up a conversation with my crazy boss. They're going as fast as they possibly can, Miss Connie, I try to explain. I've got all of them running at max temperature. Max temperature? I know they can do more than that. I've done it myself. Set this next batch to a higher setting. If I put it to a higher setting, the fryer could break or the... Stop arguing and do it. I knew there was no reasoning with her, so I reluctantly set a new basket of nuggets into the oil and clicked the fryer into a higher setting. Something that Nate had specifically told me never to do. After about 30 seconds, the fryer started making a whining sound like it was being strained too hard. Miss Connie, I don't think this is good for the fryer, I said. I need to put it back down to its normal setting or it might quit with the back talk and just cook. I think I would know better than you anyway. Sure enough though, after another 30 seconds, the fryer suddenly made a loud pop noise and all the lights on its exterior turned off. I held the power button down, desperately trying to reset it, but it was useless. The fryer was down, and we still had nearly a hundred orders to fill. Miss Connie was obviously furious at me. I'm not sure what you did to cause this, but you are in deep trouble. You better hope that fryer doesn't need to be replaced or it's coming out of your paycheck. Fortunately for me and my paycheck, the fryer wasn't permanently broken and didn't have to be replaced altogether. It was, however, completely non-functional for the rest of the day, causing our order backlog that afternoon to become even worse, and Miss Connie to become even more insufferable as we struggled to keep up with demand. But wait, there's more! Nasty trait number three, racism. Yes, you heard that right. On top of everything else, the laziness, the rudeness, the incompetence, Miss Connie was also horribly racist. At first, it was just a couple of questionable statements here and there, stuff about how certain customers, who always happened to be minorities, were making her feel unsafe, or about how a black teenager playing rap music in the drive through line was probably in a gang. But then it started to get even more obvious, to the point that there was no way she could deny it. Sometimes she would be sitting on her folding chair, flipping through a magazine or scrolling through her phone, and she would suddenly look up and, talking to no one in particular, say something blatantly offensive like, This country was so much better off before we started caving into black people's demands, or I just wish I could snap my fingers and get us back to how it was in the 50s. Yeah, luckily no one working in the kitchen was a minority. In hindsight, I'm not so sure that was a coincidence. So there was no one she could outright target with that sort of stuff, but it was still extremely uncomfortable to have to listen to her crazed ranting and raving. Anyway, all that to say, working with Miss Connie was a nightmare, and truly one of the worst experiences of my life. By the end of summer, I was frustrated and burnt out and done with anything and everything kitchen, chicken, and deep fryer related. 
The one thing I wanted was to get away from Miss Connie as quickly as possible and without so much as a goodbye. Until that is, the opportunity to give Miss Connie a proper fitting goodbye presented itself. The kind of goodbye that only someone as horrible as Miss Connie deserves, revenge. I hadn't been planning on trying to get any sort of payback before I left. Like I said, by the end of the summer, I was just ready to get as far away from Miss Connie as humanly possible. But one night, as Nate and I were talking in the parking lot after another horrible shift, a plan started to come together. The conversation started out like any other. Well, that was fun, I said sarcastically. I almost wish the restaurant stayed open later so I could work another eight-hour shift. Nate laughed and said, Yeah, right, I think I'd literally rather walk on broken glass than spend another eight hours in that dungeon. I laughed back. Come to think of it, I probably would too. I paused for a second. We'd almost reached our cars. You know, Nate, as terrible as this summer's been... I'm glad I was able to meet you. I'm almost sorry to have to leave and strand you here all alone with Miss Crazy. Wait a second, Nate said. You're leaving too? Too? I looked at him confused. Does that mean you're leaving soon as well? He said, uh, yeah, man. I'm getting the heck out of here. I've already wasted two years at this stupid place. Surely I can find something better than this. He paused. Friday's my last day, and after that, I'm gone. Dang, I said. Friday's my last day too. I guess that's just going to leave Mark and Brandon here. Mark and Brandon were the two other kitchen workers. Guess so, he said. Although you know, Brandon has been talking about quitting this job so he can do school full time. But if Brandon quits, that would just leave... I looked over at Nate to see if he was thinking the same thing I was. He nodded. That would just leave one person here, he laughed. And imagine if Mark left too. It would literally just be Miss Connie in the kitchen. She would be screwed. That's when it came to me. Wait, I said. You know how Friday's supposed to be super busy because of that basketball tournament? Well, I continued. What if instead of quitting after Friday, we quit before Friday? And we convince Mark and Brandon to quit too. Miss Connie would be by herself in the kitchen, trying to keep up with the orders on maybe the busiest day we've had this summer. Nate looked at me smiling and said, I think that might be the best plan I've ever heard. After that conversation in the parking lot, all that was left to do was to convince Mark and Brandon to join in on our plan. Brandon had been planning to quit for some time, so he agreed to the plan almost as soon as we proposed it to him. Mark was a little bit harder to convince, but he came around too once we framed it in terms of finally getting some revenge on Miss Connie. So the plan was set. After our Thursday shift was over and Miss Connie had left the restaurant, she naturally was always the first one to leave, we would leave all our uniforms in the kitchen along with a written note explaining why we had decided to leave. I took on the responsibility of drafting the note and went into super lengthy detail about everything wrong with Miss Connie. From her ignorance of how the kitchen worked to her frequent racist comments, I figured Miss Connie would probably find the note and tear it up, but why not at least try to get her in trouble? When Thursday finally rolled around, everything went exactly as we had planned. We endured Miss Connie's normal abuse, got through our final shift, And then, as soon as Miss Connie had raced out of the parking lot, left our uniforms and the note I'd written together in the kitchen. That left just one thing. Enjoy the chaos that was sure to be breaking out soon. The next day, rather than idly sit by and imagine everything that was going down at the restaurant, 
The four of us decided to go at lunchtime and check it out with our own eyes. And boy, were we in for a treat. As soon as we stepped through those doors, we could tell that our plan had to be working. For one thing, the line to order food literally stretched from the front counter to just a few feet in front of the doors that we'd just walked through. In two and a half months that I'd worked there, I had never seen a line that long. Even on the day Miss Connie had caused the fryer malfunction, that meant something, or someone, had to be holding up the food in the kitchen. More interested in revenge than ordering a chicken sandwich, the four of us walked past the line up to the counter, where you can see the front part of the kitchen through a little opening in the dividing barrier. That's when we saw the sweet, sweet fruit of our delicious plan for revenge. For maybe the first time in her entire career, Miss Connie was out of her folding chair and running back and forth across the kitchen with the most frantic, worried expression I've ever seen on someone's face. It looked like Miss Connie had gotten one or two of the employees who usually worked out front to help her in the kitchen, but I knew their help would be basically useless since Miss Connie hardly had any idea how to work the deep fryers. Sure enough, around 30 seconds after we'd started watching her, I could sort of make out the sound of Miss Connie screaming something to one of the employees about, I don't know, just figure it out. As soon as we heard her yelling, the four of us began to crack up. Nate turned to me and said, You know, I'd be impressed if she's even managed to turn one of the fryers on. I laughed and said, Bet you a million dollars she's running them on too high of a setting right now. After a couple of minutes of enjoying Miss Connie frantically trying to run the kitchen from afar, I decided I deserved a closer look. Wait here, I told Nate. I walked past the front counter, explaining to one of the employees that I left something here yesterday that I need to pick up real quick, and then made my way into the kitchen. Miss Connie spotted me almost as soon as I stepped through the door, running up to me with a look of pure hatred on her face. You idiot, she screamed. You were supposed to be here three hours ago. Where in God's name have you been? Did you not get the note we left? I asked. It should have explained everything. Note? What note? She yelled. You know what? Never mind. It doesn't matter. Just put on some gloves and help me with these fryers. We're swamped right now. No can do, I said, as I began to head back towards the exit. I was actually just about to be on my way. On your way? On your way? If you step out that door, you are fired. I mean, done here. No need for any of that, I said as I opened the door. I quit. As I closed the kitchen door behind me, I could hear the muffled sound of Miss Connie's yelling. After that, the four of us decided to leave, having seen what we had come to the restaurant to see, plus a little more. In the parking lot, we have a sort of impromptu victory celebration, letting out a few celebratory cheers and sharing a couple F you Miss Connie high fives. Then we all said our goodbyes, shook hands, and drove away in our respective cars. The job was done, victory had been won. I thought that was going to be the end of the situation, but a week after that Friday, Nate called me out of the blue. Dude, he said when I picked up the phone. Did you hear about what happened to Miss Connie after we left? I told him I hadn't, so he proceeded to fill me in, and man was it good. Apparently at some point after we'd left the restaurant that day, Mr. Carlson, the franchise owner, had showed up. Presumably after being told there was some sort of problem with the kitchen staff and ridiculously long lines for food. When he got there, he obviously went straight to the kitchen to see what the problem was only to find Miss Connie, along with two employees who didn't work in the kitchen, attempting to operate frying machines that none of the three knew how to use 
at all. As if that wasn't bad enough for Miss Connie, Mr. Carlson then found the uniforms and the note we had left there the night before. Apparently in all of her frantic running around and trying to operate the friars, Miss Connie had never paused long enough to see the note and to get it before someone else. Having read the note, Mr. Carlson then obviously proceeded to fire Miss Connie, which he could do without severance pay because of the details I'd graciously provided in our little farewell letter. When Nate told me that part, I couldn't help but laugh. Sounds like we really got the best of Miss Crazy then. He agreed, and apparently after Mr. Carlson fired her, Miss Connie just started to go absolutely ballistic too like screaming at everyone, cursing up a storm, yelling about lawsuit this and lawsuit that. Someone who was working at the front counter said people could hear her all the way in the dining area. I laughed. Now that was the Miss Connie I had had the distinct displeasure of getting to know that summer. After that, I never did hear anything else about what happened to Miss Connie. If I had to guess, I would say that she's probably back to incompetently managing fast food franchises and terrorizing poor teenage employees trying to make a buck over the summer. That was always the one thing she was any good at. If there was one thing that would just tickle me pink about Miss Connie after this story, it would be if any potential future employer were to get in contact with the franchise owner of the original place and was able to first hand over the phone and get those details about, you know, all the blatant things Miss Connie's done. Suffice to say, I feel like Miss Connie should be outlawed from ever being able to be in a managerial position. Do you guys think upon finding out everything about Miss Connie here, that the franchise owner should go out of their way to alert any restaurant in the area about Miss Connie and what Miss Connie did? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another revenge story that was even more insane than this one, click on that left video. Or, if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time for some more stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.